Kära Oslo, nu sker det. Are you ready for Welcome back episode 3 of Drain Talk. It has been a bit longer than I hoped for after the second episode, but it's been so much going on uh, the last uh, month or months actually. In this episode, we're going to talk about the IFPA, we're going to have a look at the Norwegian rankings now, and we're going to look at the plans ahead from, uh, from 1st of August when the IFPA opens up. We're going to talk a little bit about my games uh, and also, I'm going to tell you what I've been spending so much time on since February, which is my homebrew pinball project. The first homebrew in Norway, and I'm excited to show you my progress and talk a little bit about that. And of course, we're going to have some beer tasting. For this time, it will not be with any guests, it's me. I'm going to introduce a really exciting beer, which I'm looking forward to try. I have never tried it before. Hope you enjoy this episode. Now it's happening. It's happening in Oslo, it's happening in Norway, it's happening in the whole world. From the 1st of August, the IFPA is opening up its rankings and we can finally, finally go back to doing what we like to do, which is competitive pinball and feel those nerves, feel that excitement and the thrill of competitive pinball. Now there was some discussion about when we should open up. Josh Sharp, the IFPA president, he was asking both country directors in Europe and also directors in, in America about like what we were thinking. And there was some, you know, some differences of opinion. Uh, Americans, they really wanted to, to open like a month ago. Several of us in Europe, we are a bit more, more skeptical. I wanted to see the situation, you know, how, how does it play out after summer, after so many countries are opening up again. It became a compromise in Josh Sharp's word. When no sides are kind of happy, then it's a good solution. So, well, I hope we don't need to lock down again. I hope we can enjoy pinball and competitive pinball in safe measures in the time ahead. So all in all, I'm good with it. From the 1st of August, there will be a lot of tournaments because we all, all want to get back those whopper points we have been losing for the last uh, one and a half years. Here in Norway, I know there will be a tournament at at the club I am part of, Kristiania Flipperselskap. Uh, there will be a tournament on the 1st, which is a Sunday. And I am also hosting or organizing a, a weekend tournament, the last weekend in August. That is the 27th to 28th uh, August. And it will be hosted in Kristiania Flipperselskap's uh, location in Oslo. Two days, three tournaments. A hell of a lot of fun and a lot of exciting pinball playing. And it's called the Drain Talks Return of the Whoppers Tournament. And I'm really looking forward to that. We're kind of full book now. We have set up a limit of 20 players. If possible, if restrictions and everything allows it, we are probably going to you know, expand that to include those on the waiting list. Um, this is going to be a short episode. I would like to enjoy the beer while I'm talking about these topics, which are next. And before we go into looking at the Norwegian rankings right now, before everything explodes in August, um, I'm going to have this beer tasting with this very exciting brewery, which you might have heard about. 
I came across this it's really cool beer bottle. I know the brewery from before, but I have never tasted this this particular beer. So today's beer is it's Nora Nora by Baladin, and this is a Italian brewery. They make this really cool, huge bottle with kind of very very. It's got a lot of character. They have this cool wax wax. Uh, Kind of covering and it really makes me feel like a you know like it's a druid beer or like a really like a fantasy medieval fantasy beer so baladin lea baladin pub it opened up in 1986 in piozzo and it will give its name to the brewery once it becomes a brew pub from the beginning in 1986 over 200 mainly foreign and particular Belgian beer labels are served. And it was in 1996 that uh, Le Baladin became a brew pub where the beer was produced and directly sold. They had blonde and ambri in filtered and non-filtered version. And this is the first draught beers produced by Baladin. The year after, in 97, this is the year of Super, the first bottled beer by Baladin. The special beer for this episode, which is Nura. Uh, it says here, after dedicating two beers to his first two children, Theo decides the time has come to pay homage to their mother too. This is the inspiration to create a beer that carries her name and takes inspiration from African culture, given Nura's Berber Algerian origins. This beer, Nura, it has 6.8% alcohol, so it's not too much, but probably it gives enough to give it that, you know, little extra spice over a normal beer you can buy in Norwegian regular stores. Perfumes and emotions make you dream of Africa. This is how we make spice beer. I don't know if this is a spicy beer, like chili-wise, but spice beer sounds like it will invoke a huge number of flavors and a very I expect a very complex taste. This very original beer has a golden deep color, or more technically speaking, amber with copper hues, and a slight hazy appearance while the head is fine and persistent. It releases a kaleidoscope of scents that blend into one pleasant bouquet of fruity, resinous and woody notes. It releases a kaleidoscope of scents that blend into one pleasant bouquet of fruity, resinous and woody notes, with a subtle touch of incense. A surprise each time the glass is brought to the nose. Wow. See, this is a beer which, uh, yeah, this is how you sell a beer. Well, especially to me at least. So we're going to open that up now. I will pour this into this glass of the logo of Chimai. Well, it's not a Chimai, this uh, beer, but uh, I'm sure that's okay. So I'll open it as I open wine. That is a nice sound and it means I have done something correctly. Now I deserve to taste this, this, uh, this magnificent and very interesting beer. Mm. Yeah, it's, it's, it's uh, definitely very fruity. It is a kind of, yeah, it is a fruity, spicy kind of uh, sensation here. Um, 
It smells actually a bit even more. Let's have a sip and try. So my initial taste um, or impression, it has this, I would say, I would say you could kind of taste the amber. You could taste the color you are seeing. It was less explosion of flavors than I was hoping for after reading about the beer. Being a spice beer, I, I guess I had expected a bit stronger, stronger impact. But it, but it's coming. It's 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 there in the, in the back. Interesting. A little bit disappointing, I must admit. I had was I had hoped for uh, more, even more flavor, uh, more explosion, as they advertised. But it's good. It's actually very refreshing, being a bit amber. And uh, yeah, I will I will continue to enjoy this as we proceed with the episode here. All right. I think it's time that we have a look at the. Norwegian rankings. What has happened since last time? It's been uh, almost two months, I guess. And of course, it hasn't been much change because it's only been the DK um, changing up the rankings. But let's have a look at what has changed. As we can see here, the top five is uh, the same as it was from last time. But it must be said, it was a small period where Shetil, which uh, is on sixth sixth place, he jumped up to number five, and then Shetil uh, probably lost some points again and went down to the sixth place. But that only shows that it will be a very intense competition between uh, Olav at fifth place with 101.53 points and Shetil, which is uh, just a few points under at 98 on. Fourth place, we can see that it is still Frank Nielsen, and uh, last time he had 131 points, and he's now lost some points and is down to 126. So uh, yeah, around five points, not too bad. Four points over that again at 130 points. We have Thomas Stenbeck. He lost eight points since last time. It's still very close here. <laughs> On second place, it is I, Drain Morton. I have actually lost a lot of points. Uh, I realize that now. Uh, I was at 150 points last time in in uh, in April, and now I have 138 points. So I have lost 12 points. That is hard. That's brutal. Still eight points before uh, ahead of Thomas, and eight points. Uh, you got You got to. You got to win a couple of tournaments or win a tournament to make that. Uh, but that's totally achievable. And on first place we have Purmud, still the master, the the champ. But last time he had 263 points, and now he has he has gone down to 222. So he has lost a lot of points, like uh, around 40 points, which is a lot. But that is how it is. As you see from this uh, overview, when we are done with August, a lot here can have changed. We have. Uh, the tournament on the 1st of August, and we have the three tournaments at the Drain Talks Return of the Whopper tournaments uh, on Friday and Saturday, 27th and 28th of August. And those tournaments will, of course, be 100% TGP, full Whopper mania. If Shetil wins those three tournaments, maybe even he could go past Frank if, he, if Frank doesn't uh, perform. But then again, these are all very high 
skill level here and uh, probably uh, several of us in the top five top six and yeah even top 10 will be able to grab some points and really mess up the rankings so it's very exciting to follow and now that the ifpa opens up there will of course be shorter episodes uh, i can't i can keep up with one hour episodes every month in addition to everything else i'm doing but that was the whole point my initial idea with drain talk it was to keep uh keep a kind of a monthly regular check on what has been going on how's the rankings change has there been some cool tournaments something cool cool mentioning uh talking to players about the tournaments and that is what we're now going to do from august and out but in between i am of course going to have a couple of larger features like the second episode of austria i have thoughts of uh, having a feature about the competitive pinball history in norway and also talking about clubs, how do you manage a club, the different ways you can organize a pinball club if, if you're in a place and you really want to start something and you don't know how to do that. There are a lot of things to take from. Oh, and also one episode I'm going to dive into a bit deeper later is pinball and psychology. The psychology of competitive pinball and which is might be similar to competitive sports, competitive esports. And I will be talking to a psychologist here on the show in the episode. And uh, I'm looking forward to that. It will, it will be later this year, hopefully. And I'm also hoping to be able to have a live Drain Talk uh, panel with several players. And we just, you know, people can watch it. They can chime in with questions. We'll just be discussing a bit freely about uh, pinball topics and the pinball scene. And uh, that could be a cool thing to kind of spice things up a bit, a bit more spiced up than this bear. So that was a bit about the rankings. Now, what else has happened the last month since episode two? Well, I am closer than ever to getting my Rick and Morty. I got this picture from Stefan at Ares Pinball and the Rick and Morty, my, my Rick and Morty is now in Austria. I'm probably on vacation when you see this for some weeks. I'm not wanting to risk that uh, the machine is uh, being delivered when I'm not here. I told Stefan that he could send the game uh, when I'm back in August. It's weird waiting for a game for almost a year since I uh, got the opportunity to, to, to buy it or to pre-order it. It's gonna be so amazing. Especially now that the Rick and Morty uh, new season has has, uh, has come out, it's being uh, shown every week. So it's a good time to get a Rick and Morty pinball machine um, and support spooky pinball. I'm trying to make my collection a bit smaller. I have around 20 games spread out in my apartment, in our club. I feel like 20 has been like a, a, a number. I don't really want to have much more than that. It requires job maintaining the games and also prepping them for tournaments uh, when that you know starts again. But it's sometimes a deal just comes up or it's just games you kind of want to have and you think they could be cool for a tournament. I ended up buying a Hot Tip, the electrical mechanical pinball machine from uh, Williams from I think it's 1977. It's in working condition so it's so amazing feeling to get an EM and putting it up, setting it up, connecting the wires and it's just working out of the box. So that was, that was really cool. I managed to play a couple of games on it uh, before I had to leave and I'm going on vacation. But I took a little time and changed the rubbers, 
and uh, washed the plastics and changed the balls and added some uh, sunlight LEDs from Comet. Plays really great. It's the sound of that spinner, because that spinner is really well dialed. Rip that spinner and hear those Orioles just... It's going to be a cool game to have in tournaments. It's, uh, it's a very simple game, like the rules. It's basically shoot the left spinner, shoot the spinner, shoot the spinner. Get the ball into the top saucer and uh, yeah, basically, rinse and repeat. But there are some cool shots. You have this saucer on the left, you have this captive ball on the right, and drop targets in the middle to, to, um, to light the spinner. I have been quite a busy bee since February. And uh, especially the last month has been really, really intense. I've spent lots of time working on this. I have a thread on Pinside, which you can follow. You'll find it in the description below. In 2016, I started playing with the idea of making my own pinball machine. I really want to make a pinball machine with the Mass Effect theme. Kind of, I was very inspired by Game of Thrones. I like that kind of like a simple layout, but with a real depth in the rules. And I had a lot of ideas. I have written down tons of rules for a Mass Effect trilogy game based on the Mass Effect game series. I bought uh, plywood. I printed out the playfield design I had uh, designed in in future pinball software. I ordered some very basic parts, you know, some posts and some ball guides, playing guides, spending hammering in some T-nuts and then the T-nuts got kind of loosened up and it all became a bit like too much for me to handle at that time. So I just a little rest. I've had the that that whitewood, if you can even call it that, standing in around the house for so many years. It was the end of last year when some of my friends, which I'm playing Age of Empires 2. We're playing competitive Age of Empires 2, but mostly for fun. And suddenly we started talking about the pinball and that, yeah, it would be cool with Age of Empires pinball machine. And suddenly it just exploded in my head. I, 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 I could see the game in front of me. I could see how great the rule set and the, cons the concept of Age of Empires 2 could be transferred over into a pinball experience. It could be a world under glass where you advance your civilization from the Dark Age up to the Feudal Age, the Castle Age and into Imperial Age. While building buildings, building military, uh, exploring, um, exploring yeah, the map, initiating fights and battle against either the computer or against other players. I have a really cool I have a really cool concept for how that will work, which I'm going to flesh out in a later episode when I've started diving into the actual code. But I've written down the rules and, and how I would like it to be. I started for on a more serious note in yeah the end of January in February to design my game, the Age of Empires 2 Definitive Pinball edition in visual pinball visual pinball is it's a, it's a bit quirky and a bit like stressful to start with but once you, you put in the time and effort and, and learn how to design stuff it's it's actually really great and i'm going to code this in the mission pinball framework together with a p3 rock boards and there is uh, also a mpf to visual pinball uh kind of software a bridge which makes you use the Mission Pinball Framework code with the Visual Pinball 
which means that you can actually be working and writing the code for your actual pinball machine just digitally. It's, it's, it's fantastic. Um, I was doing that, I made this super simple, you know, learned the uh, Mission Pinball framework uh, a little bit, how it worked, and, and got the sense of that. And then I also managed to kind of find the initial, initial gameplay layout, the design, testing how some of the shots work. And at the point I felt like, you know, that now is the time to get this over into a whitewood and kind of take the development into the, a physical realm. So in the months that followed, I spent a long time, uh, it was a lot to do. I, <laughs> I had to learn SolidWorks and that probably spent a lot of time learning the basics and learning how to, to design the playfield. I got a good help from, uh, from Inc. in Sweden at Buros Pinball. Uh, he really helped me getting started with that. Yeah, and then there was a problem of, or the challenge of getting s someone to, to CNC cut the playfield. I'm quite busy with everything I'm doing, with music and pinball, work and all. So I, I really didn't want to take the, uh, do the cutting myself with all the tools I have to buy and learn. And so I was kind of, yeah, spending a lot of time looking for companies or persons who could do this CNC cutting for me. I got into contact finally with this guy called Frank Tarje, really, really nice guy, really, really cool and easy to, to commu communicate with and work with. And he took the job and cut the first whitewood uh, I've, yeah, my first real whitewood I've ever had. Also on these videos you can see some, uh, some footage of the CNC machine cutting the actual plywood for my game. And that's exciting. It's, it's, uh, I was hoping to be part of the actual process there, but it didn't work out with the schedule. So I'm really grateful for <laughs> getting these photos, these videos. Yeah, it, it was really a magical feeling when I'm, I picked up the whitewood, holding it in my hands. But I am very, very determined to create this pinball machine about Age of Empires 2. Especially after making my biggest order with Pinball Life I've ever done. And uh, it costs a lot of money. Pinball parts are really expensive. Currently, I have been working on populating the whitewood with the mechs, the assemblies, <clears throat> and also working on making some paper ramps and finding out how to make the metal guides for the ball. And that was, uh, I was stressing me for a while, like, how, how do I do this? And yeah, I, I did it very manu manually. I bought a big sheet of steel, a big plate of steel, and this, this scissor for cutting it. And basically I've just been cutting my own habit trails and it's ugly, it's, 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 uh, yeah, kind of dangerous because it's, it gets super sharp edges with a scissor, but it's a way of getting started and uh, that helped me going on. And now I have, as you can see, I have um, an initial design and I'm currently wiring, working on wiring up the P3 rock boards, wiring it up to the switches and wiring the, the power on, I'm making making my own uh, schematic, my diagram for the wiring for to keep, kind of keep track of what I'm doing. I haven't powered the machine on yet, but I'll probably do it, yeah. Probably after uh, my vacation when I come back. I have no ideas of, you know, mass producing this at this point in time. I'll have to make it play well, shoot well, rules has to be cool, 
and there is the question of licensing which i don't know might be a challenge with big companies like microsoft but anyhow it's going to be if nothing else it's going to be a one-off kind game it will i will gladly bring it to a tournament at our club and mostly me and my buddies playing edge of empires 2 i can show this game off to them and we can have some cool interaction i'll go more in depth into the shots and uh, my ideas for the rules in some coming episodes as i you know it's probably a, a regular part of the drain tour episodes because it's i'll be working on it constantly and the plan ahead is of course to wire it up and um, hook it up with mission pinball framework and also then starting with the rules and modes and uh, refining the, the ramps, refining the ball guides because you have no idea how many small things can go wrong or like it's a question of millimeters if things will fit or not fit and it's frustrating work but it's also super exciting to be doing this and so lots of things will happen in the next uh in the next uh, six months it's, it will be an insane insane end to 2021 with so much tournaments so much uh, change in the rankings i'm looking forward to a lot of action i'm looking forward to seeing players again i'm looking forward to testing out some of the new games coming out like mandalorian on that note i think i will end this episode now i'm going to france to the southern coast of france with my girlfriend and i'm looking really forward to getting to breathe a little bit and just just chill because when i'm home there's always something to do with my pinball machine or music so vacation will be good i hope you all have a great vacation wherever you are enjoy the summer and again i'm super thankful and happy if you would like to uh, subscribe to my, my drain morton channel actually drain morton feel free to follow my facebook page i will be posting the progress on the age of empires pinball machine and also you know updates about the games and events again have a great time great summer looking forward to see you all again in august and let's get these whoppers rolling enjoy